Good evening, everyone. As I said at the beginning of Mass, we are celebrating the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. As always, I just wanted to clarify, it was Jesus' conception that was miraculous that we celebrate on the 25th of March, the Annunciation. But today is an explicitly Marian feast day. We celebrate her Immaculate Conception, that when she was conceived by her parents, she was conceived not in the state of original sin, meaning when she was conceived, unlike the rest of us, she was conceived in a state of grace. Also, she did not have this predisposition towards sin, this struggle with the flesh that we have, and more importantly, that during her life, she never committed a sin. And so what I want to do, since I, if you were there with my, my homily last weekend, when I said that during Advent, I'd maybe like to talk a little bit about prayer and how we can grow in our prayer life in order to prepare for the Advent or the arrival of Jesus. I want to do the same thing in looking at the prayer of Our Lady. Now, I'm going to be very honest. I don't have access to Mary's soul. I don't have access to the mind of Our Lady. <clears throat> but... I think we can deduce from a number of different things what Our Lady's prayer life, or at least a certain aspect of it, may have been like. Now, if you ask most people, describe the prayer life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Most are going to say, well, because she was conceived without sin and she was sinless, her prayer life would have been perfect. There were no distractions ever. Her mind and her heart were always there with God. She obviously got every single thing that she prayed for. She had constant illuminations and insights and wisdom into the nature of salvation. And of course, she would have always received tremendous consolations because of her union with God through grace. But basically, I think, most people would think that Our Lady's prayer or prayer life would have been pretty easy, something that we would like to have. And of course, this is all stemming from her perfect faith. Because indeed, if she was sinless, she would have loved perfectly, she would have been patient perfectly, and she would have also exercised perfect faith. But what this does is it sort of lends to, or is part of this very exalted view of Our Lady that we can tend to have. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a very high Mariology. Of course, she is the, the great desire of our fallen humanity. But for a lot of people, at least from my experience, whether you're looking at Our Lady's moral life or her spiritual life or her prayer life, this sort of this understanding of Mary as having this perfect illumination, particularly in her prayer life, seems completely unattainable completely out of reach, that Mary is more like a spiritual superhero than a saint or a heavenly mother. And so I think a lot of people today find it difficult to connect with her. She seems so otherworldly, particularly if we're trying to look at Our Lady as a model and inspiration for our own prayer. So what I want to do is try to look a little bit differently at the concept of the prayer of Mary. Stepping back, though, by reevaluating or coming to a deeper understanding 
of what we mean by faith. Of course, we said that Mary's faith is perfect. This is what allowed her prayer to have so many insights and so much beauty. And well, the truth is, we pray for faith. I've seen people come to me all the time. Father, I prayed for faith and nothing happened. Father, I prayed desperately for faith and it just got worse. What people are expecting, I think, and maybe some of you here, that if we pray for faith and all of a sudden the guardian angel is going to come and like put some grace pixie dust on us and all of a sudden we believe. It just becomes easy. Our mind opens up. We understand all the mysteries. There's a light that shines in the darkness and we have tremendous faith in Jesus and can move forward. If we had greater faith, of course, we would know all of God's plans and we would be able to always live in his will. But guess what? This isn't faith. Most people believe this to be faith, but they're wrong. It's a saccharine, sweet type of faith. It's not what it is at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite of faith. It's what we call vision, where you can see and you can understand and you can comprehend. Very clearly, we look at scripture, we look at experience, faith is the opposite. Faith is when you cannot see, when you cannot understand, when it is dark and you still believe, you still move forward, you still choose the right thing. And so the reality is, when we pray for faith, we better believe that things are going to get darker. When we pray for faith, if God's going to listen to our prayers, things are going to become more difficult and more challenging. Our intellects will darken. We will struggle to be able to believe. It doesn't mean that we're going to quit believing, but faith, if it is real, is belief in that which you cannot see. So we cannot expect a perfect faith to be one that is filled with illumination, but instead to be able to press through even in darkness. And we see it in the lives of the saints, and many of them experiencing the dark night for their own purification, but also in the, saint, the lives of saints like Therese of Lisieux and St. Teresa of Calcutta, who lived through extreme periods of darkness, trials of faith, of which they continued to persevere through. Mother Teresa, for 50 years, if you read scripture, if you read the catechism, if you read the saints, this is what faith is. Belief even when it is dark. So if this is true, that the person who has the strongest faith is the one who is able to press on in darkness rather than light, then guess what? If Our Lady had perfect faith, as we've already said, because she was conceived without original sin, and that her prayer was infused and empowered by her faith, then it is arguably the exact opposite of what we think. That Mary probably experienced intense darkness in her prayer. She did not have consistent lights in her intellect. There was no angel whispering in her ear. And as it got further along, arguably, it became darker, eliciting a greater response of faith from her intellect 
her will, and the depths of her soul. Now, I'm not saying that Our Lady doubted or she had any disbelief, but I'm sure she did experience that darkness and that dryness, wanting to see, wanting to understand, seeing her son suffering, but not grasping the whole plan. She didn't understand it during her life. And that's why she experienced that great suffering in her heart. The great suffering, yearning for God, yearning for this resolution. But it wasn't all clear to her. In fact, it was probably less clear than it would be to myself or any of you. She couldn't anticipate or understand what was going to happen. She had to press forward in faith. The most perfect faith which arguably endured the most perfect darkness. But it is indeed this sort of faith that would have animated the prayer of the immaculately conceived virgin. What would it have been like? And again, it's hard to describe, but taking from scripture and experience, I can pose a few things for us to meditate on. One, whenever scripture says that Mary pondered or meditated on all of these things in her heart, was it mean, does it mean that she had it in her heart and she understood it? It all made perfect sense. In fact, just the opposite. She didn't understand. She didn't grasp it all. And she would take it in that darkness and that struggle and turn it over in her heart, giving it over to the Lord, desiring a deeper understanding, but all the while believing the Lord is going to do something, not giving up, pressing forward, as she kept these things in her heart. Number two, from the Magnificat, when she claims out and realizes that her soul is filled with the Lord and magnifies with it, this darkness, this faith helped her understand and grow in poverty of spirit. Not grasping or claiming to know that she knows everything or demanding to understand things. No, she was empty and she understood out of that act of faith and therefore allowed the Lord to fill her up. Even though she may not have been fully aware or cognizant or experiencing of it. This struggle, this moving forward in the darkness and following her son helped her to grow in that poverty of spirit. And finally, and the most important thing, through her prayer and understanding of course, meditating on things in her heart, giving them to Jesus, of recognizing her own poverty, of crying out for the Lord's grace, that she was able to love even through the darkness and even through the night. And sometimes when maybe there were no words that came forward, she couldn't meditate on Scripture. Her heart was still filled with love for God, for her Son, for the apostles, for others. And it was this love, even though it maybe couldn't express itself in words, is what gave her light through the night. And that prayer was probably often this movement of love in the darkness. Even though I don't understand, even though it is so dark, I don't know why my son has to go through this, I can still choose to love. And that's what illuminated the night that she experienced. And so if this proposal is true, and I think there's a good argument to be made, so it wasn't necessarily like she always experienced this. At times, I'm sure she did experience great consolation, like on Easter morning. But if we can understand that Our Lady would have experienced darkness and dryness and aridity in prayer, 
just like us. If sometimes it got really, really difficult to press forward in faith, but you still did it, it's easier for us to identify with Mary. She becomes more like one of us, even though she was sinless. But even more for us to understand that she knows what our prayer is like. She understands what it is like, not as a result of sin, but as a result of grace, to go through darkness, to experience this trial, to be able to move forward. And so she can offer great consolation. She can be there with us when we're struggling with our prayer. That she is not foreign to understanding what we are going through. And so we can look at today's gospel in conclusion that annunciation. The angel didn't explain everything to her. She was confused. She didn't understand. She even had some fear, but she was still able to say, be it be, may it be done unto me according to your word. That great fiat, even as things were not clear, the fiat as this ultimate expression of faith as the rest of her life and her mission laid in front of her. She still chose to believe. She still chose to love, all animated by grace and the faith that she had in the Lord and his guidance, his grace, and his plan for her and all of creation. Amen.